Chapter Seven of the Adventures of Tommy Post Office: The True Story of a Cat by Gabriel E. Jackson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Fascio. Tommy's Escape. With evening, many more visitors arrived, but Tommy declined to unbend. His trusted friends had failed him. At midnight, the doors were closed and the lights extinguished. Silence reigned, save when some lonesome cat wailed out his distress. Tommy did not wail. He had other thoughts to occupy him. Deep down in his cat heart he had resolved to get even with something, or somebody, whatever or whoever was responsible for his incarceration. About two o'clock the moonlight began to flood the hall, and Tommy set about carrying his plans into effect. He sniffed and sniffed all around the edges of his cage, in hope of finding some weak spot, but without success. On his left the blue Maltese purred contentedly to her babies, but on his right an occasional low growl from the tortoise-shell testified to his resentment at being disturbed by a common post-office cat at such an unseemly hour. Tommy continued to fidget. At length the tortoise-shell could no longer endure such a state of affairs, and gave louder voice to his disapproval, which clearly meant, "'Be quiet, you commonplace creature, and let me slumber in peace.' "'You're another,' retorted Tommy. "'How dare you so presume?' screamed the tortoiseshell. "'Dare? Dare? Who says dare to me, Tommy Post Office? Oh, if I could only reach you, I'd soon show you what I'd dare.' "'Indeed, happily you cannot. The authorities took great precautions to protect me. When my mistress, whose home is on Woodland Avenue, placed me here, she insisted that I should be carefully shielded from contact with the common herd.' She told the authorities that she simply could not have me brought in touch with such creatures. "'You don't say so. Well, we'll see,' was Tommy's derisive retort. Then a little performance took place which had not been set down in the program, and there were only excited cats and startled poultry to witness it. When the watchman appeared upon the scene the following morning, the cardboard partition between Tommy's and the tortoiseshell's cage was reduced to a pulp. The wire was torn from its fastenings. The tortoiseshell lay in a state of collapse upon the bottom of his cage. Both eyes closed, and tufts of his silky fur scattered all about him, and literally not fit to be seen. Tommy had vanished completely. Consternation reigned. The prize darling of the show was tenderly lifted from his cage, and restoratives were quickly applied. Happily, he was able to take notice when his mistress arrived at eleven o'clock, but alas, he was no longer the well-groomed beauty from which she had parted the previous evening. Tommy had important concerns to look to elsewhere, and had evidently gone to attend to them. As soon as he found himself upon the outside of his cage, he lost no time in scuttling away to a hiding-place, of which there were many, and directly the doors were opened the next morning, out he slipped into the street. Although somewhat knocked about, for tortoise-shell's claws had done effective work, Tommy hurried along the street, anxious to make his way home. We are told that it is impossible for a cat to get lost, but this cat was certainly lost for the time being. He scurried from one street to another, frightened and bewildered, and at length managed to stray into a wretched quarter of the town, where he came very near meeting his fate, for there he was set upon by a mob of howling boys, and forced to flee for his life. Poor Tommy! If ever he had use for his nimble legs, he certainly had then, 
for never in all his life had he fallen into such straits. On, on he scurried, behind barrels of refuse, down cellar ways to rush out at the further end, down dark, ill-smelling alleys, out into the street once more, until it seemed as though his breath must leave him and he would drop in his tracks. And still those yelling, shouting boys were after him. It was well for them that none of the letter-carriers happened along just then, or they would have had a reckoning to render that they little calculated upon. Tommy had no idea in which direction he was running. All sense of locality had long since deserted him. But the guardian angel which watches over dumb creatures, as we are told, must have had special charge of Tommy that morning. For just as the boys were almost upon him, he darted to a passing coal-cart. And while the driver was reading the riot act to his pursuers, Tommy darted out again, turned a corner, and found himself in the midst of one of the broadest thoroughfares of the city, with trolleys and what not surrounding him. But the boys were again hot upon his trail, and away he scurried, the next instant to hear a familiar voice cry, Tommy Post Office! Meantime, far away in another part of the city where one finds pretty attractive homes, Miss Westfield was bidding her little niece good-bye, and charging her to be a good little maid and take excellent care of Mama and baby brother. Barbara promised, but added, "'Won't you be home in time to take me to see Tommy again, Aunt Mary?' "'Not at the show, dear, but we will see him at the post office next week.' And a pretty color came into the young auntie's cheeks. "'But I do so want to see him there, and I know he wants to see me, for he is lonesome.' I am sorry, but I must go to New York, you know, and learn to sing so beautifully that everyone will want to listen to me," answered Mary Westfield, laughing, and I must run away this minute, for I have some shopping to do for Mama before I can take the twelve-thirty train, and must get my luncheon downtown, too. So good-bye, sweetheart." And away she hurried. It was a clear, crisp December day, and Barbara longed to be out of doors. Running up to her mother's room, she asked, "'Won't you take me out for a walk, Mama?" I can't, dear, for brother is very miserable with his teeth, and I cannot leave him. Why don't you take a ride up and down the block on your tricycle? It's such a lovely morning that I'm sure you would enjoy it, dear. Only well, do not leave the block, she added, as she buttoned the little girl's warm cloak and drew on her red mittens. I won't, promised Barbara, as she kissed her mother and ran downstairs. The child meant to keep her promise, but, oh dear, it is so hard to remember when one is but seven years old. Up and down the sidewalk rolled the little tricycle, and as she rode thoughts of Tommy Post Office, shut up in his cage, far away at the show, kept passing through her busy brain, until, before she knew how it happened, Barbara had dismounted from her vehicle and was hurrying down Asylum Avenue towards the city. But the city is a big place for one little girl, and she was only a very small dot upon its busy streets. On she wandered, on, on, through the bustle and traffic, to the broad thoroughfares, where trolleys clanged, drays rattled by, and confusion reigned. Her feet were growing somewhat weary, and her little brain entirely bewildered. No one noticed the child, for she was just among many others. Around the park, down a street where tall warehouses towered upon either side, on and on, until one of the broad main streets was reached, and she started across it. She got halfway over and then stopped, stock still, between the trolley tracks. Cars were approaching from north and south, and wagons darting hither and thither. 
Hi, hi, look out, get out of the way, you young tyke, shouted a motorman, bringing his car up with a jerk as it bore down upon the child. Oh, auntie, auntie, sobbed the poor little girl, too terrified to move. I want to see Tommy Post Office, I do, I do. And as though he had sprung from the ground at her bidding, a black and white cat, hotly pursued by three or four yelling boys, darted across the street at her very feet, his collar gleaming in the sunshine, and the bells upon it jingling. Barbara recognized him instantly, and that recognition probably saved her life, for with a wild cry of, Oh, Tommy, Tommy, please wait for me, she rushed after the cat and gained the sidewalk just as he vanished within an open door. Meantime, a policeman was hurrying to the little maid's rescue, and just as her foot touched the curbstone, he picked her up in his strong arms and asked in a comforting voice, "'Well, little girl, don't you think I'd better carry you out of this crowd?' "'But it's Tommy. It's Tommy Post Office. And the boys chased him into that store. Oh, please, please get Tommy for me!' And Barbara clasped her small hands imploringly. "'Tommy Post Office?' queried the officer, glancing about in expectation of seeing a small boy. "'Who is Tommy Post Office, little girl?' The pussy that lives at the post office where Uncle Bobbert is. I love him. I love him dearly. Come on, we'll find him if he is in that store, was the consoling answer, and the big man, with the little girl held tightly in his arms, strode towards the store at which he was pointing. Tommy's pursuers had vanished. Got a runaway cat in here? he asked as he entered. Got the very old boy himself. You'd better ask was the indignant retort. "'Look at this, and this, and this, and who's going to pay for it, I'd like to know?' cried the man, his voice rising higher and higher with each word. He stood in front of his desk as he held to a view a shirt-sleeve dripping with black ink, pointing to a ledger lying upon it bespattered all over with black splashes, and eyed with disgust a stream of little black rivulets which were flowing from it to the floor." "'I guess you were right in line when the spill came,' said the officer, smiling. "'In line?' snapped the man. "'Reckon the whole blamed store was in line. "'Never seen such a critter as that one in all my time. Drat him!' "'Where is he now?' asked the officer. "'Where he won't do no more harm till I can kill him. "'You bet your last cent on that.' "'Better hand him over and let me take care of him.' "'Will you kill him? "'I tell you, that cat's got to die. "'Here, take him.' and reaching somewhere within his desk he hauled out the forlorn Tommy, shirt-front and stockings, inky black. "'Oh, Tommy! Dear, dear Tommy!' cried Barbara, reaching out for him. "'Meow!' warbled Tommy as the policeman placed him in the little girl's outstretched arms, and his fear straightway vanished at the sound of a friendly voice. "'Now where shall I take you both?' asked the officer. "'Oh, please take me to Uncle Bobbert at the post-office. "'Tommy lives there, and Uncle Bobbert will take care of us.' "'To the post-office they accordingly made their way. "'Mr. Weston was about to put on his hat and coat to go to his dinner, "'when his doorway was darkened by the form of a big policeman, "'holding in his arms a small child, who clasped a rowdy-looking hat. "'Uncle Bobbert! Uncle Bobbert! Here we are!' "'Mr. Weston dropped both hat and coat, "'and the next instant had Barbara in his arms.' The officer stated the facts of the case, and then took his leave. Mr. Weston sat down in his chair, with Barbara upon his knee and Tommy upon his shoulder, 
Now tell me all about it once more, Barbara. I don't understand yet how you came to be way down in Main Street. I wanted to see Tommy again at the show. Auntie couldn't take me, because she had to go to New York this afternoon for a music lesson. So I thought I could go alone. But I got lost. I was right out in the street when Tommy came. I ran after him and the policeman took care of us. I told him to take us to Uncle Bobber. Here Barbara paused suddenly, clapped her hands over her mouth, and looked dismayed. Go on. Take you to whom? I didn't mean to say it. Auntie said I must never, never call you by that name that I made for you, and I promised her I wouldn't, but I forgot, said Barbara, contritely, as she hung her head. Oh. Say, Barbara, where's Auntie now? I guess she's getting her luncheon at Brown's. She said she was going to after she tended to Mama's shopping, and— But Robert Weston had risen to his feet. Tommy jumped to the floor and walked from the room, disgust written all over him. Hurriedly putting on his coat and hat, Mr. Weston said to Barbara, "'Let me take you right home, Barbara, for I am sure Mama will be terribly worried about you.' If passers-by took time to notice the tall man striding along with a pretty little child perched high upon his shoulder, their comments might very naturally have been, "'How that man adores that child!' As they turned into Asylum Street, they caught sight of a trim figure hurrying along it towards the railway station, but her hastening steps were no match for the long strides rapidly overtaking her. And a moment later, one high-pitched voice was crying, "'Oh, Aunt Mary! Aunt Mary!' while mingling with it came, "'Miss Westfield! Mary!' Mary Westfield did not take the 12.30 train that day. Whether it was because she felt it in her duty to see Barbara safely restored to her mother, or whether Robert Weston's question had any influence upon her plans, who shall say? As they hurried along, he said, I have learned that Barbara has a new name for me, Mary. Won't you give her permission to use it, always? End of chapter 7